This is Steve Buller, one of your hosts for the Shapes of Identity podcast. Um, this is our first recording of the new year. We apologize for that brief um, month or two hiatus since our previous recording. Um, we'll actually be releasing grouping of three all at once this evening. So stay tuned for more to come. And then start us off, Stephen. All right, welcome to the Shapes of Identity podcast. Tonight, we have some special guests on, and we are going to be covering some interesting changes in standards from New Jersey's Department of Education for Health and PE. I'm going to kick it off to Justin. Um, He's a little bit more familiar with our guests than uh, I am since I'm across the Delaware. Nice. I'm super excited to be back here for this. And for me, when we talk about equity, it does not get any more equitable than what we're bringing in the schools, how we're bringing it in the schools, how it gets done. And I'm super excited today. So we have Lenny Parnum on here from the DOE and this man is knows everything about everything when it comes to these standards coming through the man put in sweat and tears we'll have him introduce himself and then after he gets done marcella you'll come in introduce yourself i'm excited to get your views and really to kind of get into the nitty-gritty a little bit of the standards what makes them and how they're implemented in schools and really how the sausage is made so lenny can you tell us a little bit about yourself Sure. <clears throat> Good evening, Justin and, and Steve and Marcel. Thank you for having me this evening. Happy to be here with all of you. And let me just say thank you to all your all of our educators. Um, I know you three are hardworking and doing a great job during these challenging times. So uh, knowing the heels of Martin Luther King Jr.'s birthday, and he had a great speech about uh, what is your blueprint and, uh, at a Philadelphia school and his background in education. Uh, I'd be remiss not to, to mention him and make sure that uh, you guys know how much we appreciate you. So thank you for keeping up. Thank you. Um, so uh, I am the uh, Comprehensive Health and Physical Education Coordinator at the Department of uh, Education, and I'm in, out of the Office of Standards, out of the Department of Teaching and Instruction Services. And uh, this is my going on my fourth year there in, in this role, and uh, excited about uh, our uh, new document, the 2020 New Jersey Student Learning uh, Standards and uh, Comprehensive Health and Physical Education and being able to work with our uh, review and revision team. Nice, thank you. Marcella, wanna say hello, introduce yourself real quick. Hi everybody, um, my name is Marcella Simideris. I've been working for Patterson Public Schools for 21 years. I started September 2000, phys ed teacher, K to eight mostly, K to eight, in one school for 14 years, then I got transferred. And the last school I was at is um, two to eight. So I had um, a lot of grade levels and I, I, I was serving mostly either in a uh, low performing school, either no, known as a prior um, comprehensive school or a priority school, depending on what year you're looking at. Um, 
and a uh, target school slash um, focus school. So I know um, a lot of the things that take place are required under reg regulations and codes. And um, I come from a position where policy is never neutral. And, you know, we, we always talk about institutional racism um, in conversations, but I like to uh, take a, a, a critical analysis of, of how it, it manifests in, in our classrooms and why um, people are indoctrinated the way they are. So I'm so glad for creating this space and bring the, our leader for the state here to help us understand and just work through any concerns we have. So thank you. We are so excited. All right. So Lenny, before we get into the actual standards, why don't you take me through the process? So I think 2017, there were some minor changes made to the ones from 2014. It was very, very minor. And then 2020, like we're talking major changes. Can you tell me a little bit about the stakeholders? Who did you bring in? Who did the state bring in? How does that happen? Because I got to be honest, I have no idea, even though I was on a couple of the meetings here and there with, with things, but I don't have that global view, the, the bigger view that you have. Can you tell us a little bit about how this happens? Sure. So, you know, every five years, the state of New Jersey does a review and revision of their standards. That's an administrative code. So if you're looking at the dates, there were standards in 2009 and then 2014, Justin, and then 2020. <clears throat> so um, this set of standards uh, does look a little different than the 2014 version. 2014, there wasn't a lot of revisions. It was, uh, it was a review of the 20, 2009 standards. Um, there were some minor revisions um, that took place in that set of standards. And then if you take a look at the 2020 document compared to 2014, um, there was a, a shift. Um, so as you know, the, the department puts out a call, an application, a call, uh, broadcast to districts for those who want to be a part of the review and revision team. So that broadcast goes out to all the districts throughout the state. Um, educators have an opportunity to apply um, to be on the review and revision writing teams. And, uh, and the department takes those applicants, looks at some criteria and makes a selection. If the individuals are willing to participate and are able, uh, if their districts allow them to, you know, depending on their workload and where they are professionally, if they have the time and are willing to uh, give up, give, give their time to the state uh, to be on, be a part of this team, um, then they, uh, they accept. So it is a, uh, you know, the access is there for all educators to apply and uh, be a part of the writing team. Were there any other groups outside of educators that came in that have any kind of input? So we had uh, teachers. We had uh, teachers from the north, northern part of the state, central, south. We had elementary school teachers, middle school teachers, high school teachers. We had higher ed. Four different higher ed institutions were on our writing team. I was represented on our writing team. Uh, we had a school nurse, we had a pediatrician, and we had a director from a, a professional organization from our state. All right. So now when we look at demographics, do we have any idea of what the demographics are when we look at race, when we're looking at 
um, sexuality. And again, I can see how that would be kind of uncomfortable. Like you're not going to put a questionnaire out and say, hey, what's your sexuality? However, we know when we're talking about input on these, you want to have people with those lenses that can look. Um, do we know if we had representation from the, the major identity groups? Yeah, so you had, uh, you know, North, South, and Central New Jersey. We had urban, suburban, rural edu educators, and all three of those different uh, populations, um, male and female uh, applicants. So, you know, you look at that uh, criteria that uh, was in the application, and then we <clears throat> made sure as the department that we uh, made sure that we're looking at the whole state of New Jersey. <clears throat> Excuse me, because you know our standards are for the state of New Jersey, not just for a certain part of the state, it's the whole state. So our writing team had to make up of the whole state. Now, what about when it came to race, sexuality, any of the other groups? So demographically, you know, or just geographically, whatever, we have all parts of the state represented. What about the other identity groups looking at uh, socioeconomic status, race, gender, sexuality? Do we have any idea about that? We don't really have uh, an idea uh, regarding the individuals when they apply because, you know, you, know, you have their, their resume, their name, and uh, unless you know them personally, which I didn't, um, and I don't think the people in our department knew them either. So the selection was random based on the criteria uh, for an applicant. Uh, based on, you know, the different geographical uh, locations, uh, you know, in terms of the locations of the state. And, uh, but I could, I can tell you, we did have a, a wide range of a diverse group that met, that meet all those categories that you mentioned. Nice. Marcella, any questions so far? You got to unmute. Sorry, thank you. I always forget that, sorry. I just want to clarify, um, because I'm familiar with the broadcast terms and how the DOE uses it. And to my knowledge, how they use it, it just goes out to um, superintendents, possibly supervisors um, and assistant superintendents. It doesn't go to the teachers. It's a domino effect. And it's on the districts then to put out that um, broadcast and, and um, you know, trickle it down. So that's how I, from the studying I've done on the processes within the Department of Education and how they communicate. But as a teacher and a very vocal teacher and, and a parent also very proactive all the time, I had never came across an opportunity to partake in any like um, standard revisions or anything like that. So I just wanna share that because I know um, coordinator, you um, mentioned that all teachers had an opportunity and I, I just, I can't, I can't um, agree with that statement because I know I didn't have an opportunity and I'm an educator that really, really looks for those opportunities. And then also, um, can you tell me how many black people were on the um, committee? I'm not going to get into specifics in terms of, you know, how many different races we had or, uh, you know, just for the, um, you know, want to make sure our writing team and their uh, identities, you know, stay, um, that's the word I'm looking for, 
just want to make sure everybody's identity stays, uh, you know, out of the discussion. But it was the writing. The writing team was uh, diverse, and uh, you know, I'm part of the writing team, um, so I can speak for myself. I was there, and uh, I am an African American man, and uh, uh, it was a, uh, you know, diverse team. When we send out the things, does it go to the individual teachers? Like, shape them to shape New Jersey send it out to their members or is it from it goes to supers and athletic directors and you know heads of things and then goes down like that yeah you know school districts are um the way they communicate depends on the school district but every school district in the state receives it and uh you know it's up to those individuals in the districts to uh make sure the material gets out to all those individuals that uh should have the uh information most broadcasts are, uh, you know, uh, stated who should read those. And uh, I'm hoping that uh, most districts are communicating that material to those individuals that need to receive it. All right. Thank you for that. Um, moving Addison's on. not, just so you know. Well, they, they didn't. They didn't put it down. But again, yeah, and that's where we get into difficulty, right? Like, what is the best way to disseminate information to the individuals? And I wonder if when we look at it through the equity lens for the future, would shape New Jersey, like, is it something that if shape New Jersey found out and put it out to their members? Cause I don't even know, like I showed up to one of them, one of the discussions, I don't even remember, maybe it was at the conference. I don't even remember specifically where it was, but is that something in the future we could look at is using the organizations to get the information out or put um, an open call. Is that something we have thought about? I don't think, uh, you know, if you're, an, if you're an educator and you receive the information, for example, you, Justin, or some of the other executive board members have that information. I don't see why you, would, you couldn't share it with the other educators or the population who's associated with Shape New Jersey. Absolutely. Yeah, that seems to make sense. So it looks public, like- Public information. If we have an organization of professionals that are invested in this, then that organization, when these changes come up, and again, we're talking about five years in the future now, four years in the future, that it would behoove us to put that information out. So I think that's something we should definitely take a look at. And I'll put that in the back of my mind, moving up. All right. So now that we understand geographically all over, by the way, having the pediatrician on there is amazing. Um, can you tell us a little bit about how that came about? Is that normal protocol? I thought that was interesting. Um, you know, she applied. Not quite sure where she got the information, um, but it is public knowledge. She could have got it from her school district. Maybe she was connected through the parents groups, uh, communities in the school district where she lives. Um, but she applied uh, along with a few other pediatricians. So we're excited about that. And uh, it's great to get that insight and perspective. Um, she really uh, touched on a lot of the nutrition uh, areas in terms of, you know, <clears throat> she didn't want us to get too granular, you know, in terms of the information. She's just, she's just happy to see some green on people's plates. So yeah, it was, it was great and how she assisted us in that, uh, you know, hear, hearing her perspective around uh, health and physical education as a whole. Nice, I love that. All right, enough of the background stuff getting in. Let's get to the nitty gritty, right? Because this summer I will be spending 40 hours 
redoing because September 1, right? This should be implemented, correct? Is that correct. the information? So health and phys ed people listening to this, all four of you, maybe five of you, including my mom, y'all <laughs> need to get on it because the first, these should be implemented. And if we are not the squeaky wheel, it's not going to happen. You know how health and Zen manages to just kind of slide by in life. So we need to speak up. All right. So here we go. From what I understand, we had six old standards. They range from 2.1 to 2.6. 2.1 to 2.4 were health. So I'll go over them real quick. We had wellness, integrated skills, where that was students developing and using personal and interpersonal skills, supporting a healthy, active lifestyle. We had a drugs and medicine, the human relationships and sexuality, and those were the health ones. Then we had two, five and two, six, which were the phys ed ones, motor skill development and fitness. All right. Then we streamlined it. We now have three major standards. And again, Lenny, anytime jump in, if any of this is not correct, we have personal mental health, physical wellness, and then we have the third being safety. Is that correct? That's correct. We went from six standards to three standards. Absolutely. Now. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead. I was going to say, and also, if I'm correct, when I'm looking at these, the bands used to be by the end of second grade, by the end of fourth grade, sixth, eighth, and high school. Those bands changed, correct, to second, fifth, eighth, and high school? Do I have that right? Yeah, we have grade bands now. So you have uh, K to two, three to five, six to eight, and nine to 12. All right. So let's talk to me. Can you summarize and tell me why did we feel the need to go from six to three? What are the benefits? Um, how did that come about? So a couple of things. We actually surveyed our writing team. Um, and it was, it was consensus that they thought the 2014 document was overwhelming hard to get through as an educator from elementary, middle, and high school. They thought it read like a, a, a textbook. Um, we also heard it was just, wasn't real organized properly as an educator. So, um, and this, this, these comments are coming from educators in the classroom. And uh, so we, you know, took a look at it and I can tell you this, we didn't lose any information. <clears throat> we reformatted it, <clears throat> excuse me. And to make it uh, obviously, uh, easier to use as an educator, and also make sure that the uh, information was more cohesive. <clears throat> and then we took some of those 21 strands and took that information and uh, created, we used some of the information as uh, some of our practices. So if you take a look at some of the 21, the 21 strands, um, you had individual strands like communicating, making decisions, and those things are kind of isolated. I mean, you don't need to teach about communication or making decisions um, by itself. So we used those strands and created uh, some of our practices with the strands. So that's what I mean by reorganizing some of the information. And then 2.2, uh, physical wellness, we actually beefed up. We added information in that area because we knew our physical education educators wanted more. So we included uh, lifetime fitness and also we added nutrition. But if you take a look at our standards and, and our writing team did a great job, we don't want you to look at our standards as uh, standalones, they're not in silos. All those things can be taught in all aspects of uh, education. So you can teach about obviously nutrition and health and nutrition and physical education. So we're looking at that integration of our 
our uh, content area. We know that there's a content area specific for physical education and health, but we all know there's a lot of intersections between both of those contents. And then, you know, we also have the, the, the additional pieces of um, disciplinary concepts and core ideas, which I think really unify and bring this document to a more cohesive uh, area where you get that vertical alignment. So you have those educational experiences make sense. Now we need our educators to have those vertical alignment meetings where our elementary teachers are meeting with our middle school teachers and middle school teachers are meeting with our high school teachers and they can have those conversations about what to teach in those certain grade bands. Yeah, I mean, I can speak for as a teacher who went through them and I've always worked by myself until the past couple of years and looking at this document, the old one, it was, where do I start? What's going on? Uh, you would talk to people and they would tell you, you don't have enough time to cover every one of those standards. So you have to pick the standards that are most important to you. So now I'm being the judge of which standards are being implemented. Um, it, it was a lot. So personally, I love the idea of streamlining. And then when you're talking about decision-making, I mean, decision-making is all the time. Like the decision of whether to make the pass or whether to shoot or the decision whether to say yes or no to, you know, a drug or alcohol uh, or the decision of whether to put yourself in a risky position for something else. So decision-making is everywhere. And I love how you use that as, you know, one of the examples, because that should be embedded in everything. Steven, you have any questions so far? Not really. I've been combing back over the document and I was, the main question I was curious about because Pennsylvania has been in the process of redoing theirs for the last few years. It was supposed to get released, I think 2020. COVID happened, so that never got confirmed. Um, but do states actually collaborate together for these products as well, or is this just kind of in the silo of the state individually? No, states uh, do a lot of communication. You know, our writing team, I didn't get into, you know, the process. Um, that wasn't one of the questions. But our writing team did a lot of review, not only of our New Jersey set of standards from uh, 2009 and 2014. And we had a, a individual on our writing team who was a part of those two revision documents, which was great because it gave our current writing team uh, some history around why that 2009 document looked the way it looked and why the information was in there. And then also from 2014. So it was a tremendous history lesson around our state standards, but states, communicate uh, all the time about standards. And we had our writing team look review more than 10 other state standards. And we're looking at states that were uh, reviewing and re revising their standards and that were adopted like in 2018 and 2019. So we had a chance to review a lot of uh, other states. We also looked at international standards uh, from New Zealand, Australia, Canada, and Asia. because so that gives you a good idea of what educators are doing around the country and around the world because literature is out there about certain topics and why you're teaching things and why you're putting them in certain areas in the document, in the grade bands, and it's international. So um, yeah, absolutely, dude. There's a lot of communication around uh, standards. That was uh, one of the things I did notice. I noticed that Australia's curriculum in New Zealand, and that was very exciting to kind of see that as like a 
identified thing uh, within it, as well as uh, even topics of like climate change is being addressed within it, which I found really interesting. This is kind of jealous. PA is kind of been terrible for a while, but <laughs> it's a whole nother topic. Um, well, Stephen, you know, New Jersey's the first state in the country to have climate change standards uh, in all nine continent areas. So you're not alone in Delaware or Pennsylvania, I'm sorry. So, um, you know, it, it is something that's new for our health and phys ed educators. So I thought our writing team did a great job with their first set of climate change standards. And uh, we're hoping our educators do a good job with those. Marcel, do you have any questions? Are we playing good cop, bad cop, Justin? Is that what we doing? <laughs> I'm asking what questions you got. <laughs> because um, I, um, coordinator, um, I'm sorry, can you help me um, pronounce your name? Your last name? Param. Param. Coordinator Param. I created a document. I was really, I was really critical. I'm really critical of the um, revisions. And it was it's it's really um funny that you mentioned Martin Luther King because it he's kind of what inspired my little outline that I did on it. And I shared it with Justin. If I don't know if you have a Gmail account that I'll share, I could share with you possibly, but um I speak to Martin Luther King's, um, what he described as the function of education. And um, he said, the function of education is to teach one to think intensively and to think critically. Intelligence plus character, that is the goal of true education. It examines the state. So basically, um, I can go into a lot of, because I have a lot of critical points. On, on the revisions. But if I had to pick something, the biggest one, well, if I had to, I just really see how there's an emphasis while pushing others to the margins um, with these revisions. That's one of my biggest um, concerns because um, you talked about how a lot of the um, practices are, are former strands and I just, I have to be honest, my, re, my reality is not what you described, like in references of vertical alignment meetings. Like I have to, people have to fight for those things. And then it's just like, I, I'm actually in a culture where specials are just treated like prep givers. You know what I'm saying? So we don't, our voices don't, count usually and when you're trying to make them count you're it's not you know sometimes viewed in a way that's helpful because of all these requirements that are coming from other places like school turnaround um, codes and stuff like that and I think and while I appreciate how you like things streamlined Justin I if I'm looking through a, a, a lens of equity the devil's in the details there's a reason why we have systemic, systemic oppression. You know what I'm saying? It's built into our systems. So I'm very intentional in looking at it. And, and the only way that you can really um, make sure issues are represented or sometimes are with details. So um, I think the issue is time and not so much that it was too wordy because at the end of the day, I, I really think phys ed and health is like the most important subject ever. So we, cause we encompass so much 
just in being able to relate to each other in our social spaces, our relationships and all those things. So um, the whole taking character education out, you know what I'm saying? And then when you're representing inclusion, I forgot where it was specifically, but I think at one place you totally even leave race out. It's all about gender expression, um, <coughs> sexual orientation. And then when you're listing it in another place, it's, um, it's not alphabetical and it starts with sexual orientation. And I just, I don't know, because I'm so intentional when I look at things, I'm thinking if there's any emphasis, if it's not, you know, if we're not listing things in alphabetical order, we need to put race first because we need to recognize the importance of race in intersectionality. So yes, we wanna make sure everybody's included, but it can never be at the expense of the most vulnerable, the most historically marginalized, the ones that these conditions are imposed on. So I know I just said a whole bunch, so I'm gonna stop. And that's just like a fragment. <laughs> Well, yeah, let me ask you a, a specific one, though, Marcella, because this is you, you and I, we have very similar ideas of what should be taught in school and what should be addressed. So I guess for me, what I'm looking at is using the standards. When is race addressed? Because we know six months, right? Children are seeing race. We know at two and three years old that sexuality and gender is coming to to their forefront so when you're looking at the standards is one of the issues that you have where does that fit in in our conversations with the kids and our teaching is that what we're trying to get at i think my concern is me responding to my students needs and then not having everybody in on board because of the how the system set up and because people aren't that much caught up on approaching education um, with social justice in mind and, and, and recognizing their role in um, oppression because we as teachers play a significant role. Like I come from an idea that police are not the only ones culpable for police brutality. Uh, I mean, our schools are um, microcosms of society. You know what I'm saying? So we're teaching people to be scared of black people. Our, when black people's skin is weaponized. When my daughter who's black, when she gets out the car, it's not her sexual orientation that weaponizes her. It's the, her nose, it's the texture of her hair, it's the tone of her skin. So there's this whole thing that people think that Amistad is just for social studies and language arts. And I've been to um, two Amistad institutes and it really means to be infused in all subjects, and that's to benefit everybody, not just black children. But I'm saying for me to respond to the black students I serve, just like Martin Luther um, King spoke about how um, if you want if you, if you want the answers to the problems is all about from self-esteem and uplifting and, and, and um, reversing the effect of all the damage that was done to the black psyche, you know what I'm saying? So I'm intentional in making sure that that's addressed. And now 
that makes it a lot more, all these language revisions make it much harder for me because it's not spelled out in numerically. Now you're including it in practices. And trust me, we got to start thinking about that. Not everybody in leadership positions got there because of qualifications because uh, New Jersey is infamous for nepotism. So I have to speak on that because I'm representing for my students. I'm not trying to be, trying to get, be smart and nothing or nothing like that. But I'm trying to keep it real and letting you know why this makes everything so much harder for me. Yeah, and I think being critical is something we should always do. So Lenny, I'm trying to teach my kindergartners, my first graders, my second graders about race, right? Where does that fall under these standards? Where are my protections from the state? If I am, if, I mean, you sit in the meetings, you know what the racial makeup of most of the administrators look like. You know what the racial makeup of most of the phys ed and health coordinators look like. And we know that these are not always the people that are pushing for social justice and equity as much as they can. Where does this fit in? Where are the protections? How do we go across this? You know, our standards document uh, and our disciplinary concepts touch on, you know, in, our, in the language that we use about all students, all people. You'll see that language a lot in our document. You know, our mission and vision in the introduction touches on, you know, our mission and vision as a department in health and phys ed, our writing team around this document and standards are for all students. So um, the language in our document um, expresses that. But if you go to social sexual health disciplinary concept in all the grades, so I do believe um, 2.1, that personal mental health, um, you'll look in social sexual health where Marcella was referencing. Um, in second grade, that K to two band, um, there is a core idea that says people have relationships with others in local communities and beyond. All right, so we're talking about where they live and beyond, right? So remember standards are what students need to learn. We're not gonna tell teachers what to teach, but this is what the students need to learn or how to teach, excuse me. Okay, so if you look at that core idea and then the performance expectation, this is K to two, um, identify basic social needs for all people. So um, I, I think through that performance expectation, you could touch on as much race and culture uh, that you would like. Um, and then if you go to grades three to five, same, same uh, disciplinary concept, social and sexual health, there is a core idea around all individuals should feel welcome and included regardless of the gender, gender expression or sexual orientation. But within that, we go to our performance expectation, demonstrate ways to promote, to promote dignity, respect for all people. And then we have some examples. Those are the examples Marcellus was referencing to. You could add to those examples. Those are just examples that we are uh, allowing to express from our writing team. That's not the end of the list. You can add more to those if you'd like as an educator. Um, but then we list, you know, sexual orientation, gender identity, expression, race, ethnicity, social economic status, differing abilities, immigration status, and family configuration. And you guys got to remember, we created this document before the pandemic. And our educators were um, really in tune with their students and understanding about their um, personal health uh, of their students before the pandemic. I mean, we made a standard uh, title, personal and mental health. 
So uh, I think from that, and then you can go through all the grade bands. I can go through, you know, six to eight and nine to 12, but there's a performance expectation and a core idea that uh, speaks to that. Yeah, I like that. I think where some of the issue comes in is, I guess, are we letting teachers off the hook when we are not explicit about saying race? Because I get it, you get it, everybody on this podcast, I'm sure understands. And yet, if I am the white educator, whatever color educator, but probably white, um, that isn't so forward, so progressive, so social justice, by not having that explicit language, they're able to go and teach without it. So I think when we look at things through an equitable lens at the younger grades, and again, at the older grades, I see it from what I understand, like super explicit. And the younger grades, well, it's still kind of ambiguous. And we know with ambiguity, they're gonna choose the, the, the road of least resistance. Um, Marcella, do you have any thoughts on that? Sorry, thanks. Sorry. Um, I I think that that the the whole debate over critical race theory, which is a whole academia term that was hijacked by the right to roll back progress that has been made for black people specifically because when they showed up on January 6th they were showing up because they didn't want black votes counted so I'm just focused on because equity to me is addressing those with the biggest need equity to me is means a shift in power so um I, I, I wasn't probably clear last time when, when I was speaking about the whole character the taking out of character um, development, character education, which was one of the um, ways that I focused on doing um, upstandard skills, different, um, integrating a whole bunch of different of our um, integrated skills in just a whole bullying program that was based off of character education. And I would specifically because, um, because I'm looking to, um, you know, counter, because one of the concerns I do have is the weaponization of black skin. Um, and, and I do feel there is a hierarchy of oppression. And I do think the ones that do suffer under most of these impositions are people with more melanin in their skin. So when I'm seeing it pushed out just to make, you know, I don't know, make more, um, the, the, <laughs> the sexual orientation, because there used to be just sexual orientation and affection. Now I want to do gender expression to be more inclusive of everybody. It feels like and to create more opportunities to, to um, speak on that. It just feels like, because I don't wanna have to, we, I don't wanna have to be held accountable constantly for it not being specifically in the standards because someone can't read into, oh, they're, they're integrated into the practices. You know what I'm saying? When, you're, when people are, are fighting you because the CRT, that's a whole concept that was hijacked just to roll something back. So we have to acknowledge that there is a force out there when someone is trying to bring forward some undoing 
that they come across things. So I, I don't, I, I just don't appreciate it, you know, being um, harder now rather than easier. Mm. Thank you very much. Appreciate that. Thank you. Sorry. No, you're good. Listen, the, these are the conversations that if we are going to be really focused on equity, these are the conversations that have to be had. And one more thing, really quick. Yeah. And the whole thing, that whole thing of empathy, because that's where everything lies. Everything lies in empathy. You know what I'm saying? So I was always big on lessons on empathy. So now, I mean, in a perfect world, I, I just want us to be mindful that there are fights out there. Let's not make the, you know, let's not take away tools. <laughs> No, we need all the tools we can get. Yeah, I think with empathy, that's really the idea of rehumanization, right? Where so long in the history of the United States, when we look at how the United States have treated Black people, it's because they dehumanized them and they took away their humanity. And empathy for any group is fantastic and what we need, but specifically Black people. I mean, obviously, we know the history and we've done podcasts on it, but you look at how black people are treated when they go for pain medication, how, you know, mortality rates for black mothers. And, and we, we know all that information. I don't want to get too sidetracked from that. Um, Lenny, any final thoughts on what Marcel and I were discussing? Yeah, um, you got to remember, you know, our standards are for all students uh, in the state of New Jersey and for all educators. So the standards are for what students need to learn and standards don't, uh, tell you teachers how to teach it, but we, uh, you know, our writing team was uh, aware of the implications, and we were conscious about making sure these things works. But that's why you do see the race, the word race, in there. It wasn't in there before in 2014, um, and also uh, some of the other wording that was in there about you know accepting and respecting others, especially skill levels. When you talk about, we touch on that in 2.2, where we're including all students' skills and abilities. You know, thinking about our um, students with disabilities, all right, and also thinking about our different cultures. Where we've had, we also included, you know, uh, different cultures, so we can get the different cultures represented in the education in the classroom in terms of maybe teaching some different different games from different cultures and those type of things. Hearing the students' voices, making it relevant for those students that you see every day. So I hear you, Marcella. You know, I was a young man that grew up in education, didn't have a uh, a teacher of color um, until I got to college. And I didn't have a coach um, all through my uh, educational career. So um, I hear you loud and clear. And um, you know, I think that's why our writing team did represent all of us uh, in that room. And also, you know, remember we have 10 new practices uh, that our educators need to become familiar with. And those are those skills, those habits of mind that we need to be building into our students, okay? To build those skills as a discipline and we do have a, uh, a, a practice, you know, resolving conflict. You wanna get into, you know, uh, character education, those type of things uh, through that skill as well. Um, we do talk about, um, you know, respecting, being respectful. Uh, we also have another uh, practice in terms of being a good citizen and then what it takes to be a good citizen and those skills that are incorporated in that practice. So I know the practices are new. Um, and this is, you know, for uh, Stephen, you know, we're the first state uh, in the country to have practices in health and physical education, um, kind of like math and science. You're familiar with those content areas and their practices. So our educators are going to have to spend some time with the math and science teachers 
to understand uh, what they went through their first couple of years with practices and making sure to understand how to explicitly embed those into their lessons and in, into the curricula as well, where we can work and build on these skills for our students. So you can get to that character education and through those practices and building those skills, but also through some of the other disciplinary concepts and the performance expectations as well. All right, any other final thoughts before we let Lenny bounce? We have kept them on for... I, I know, just a couple of things. I'm not gonna go all out, just a couple of things though. Um, oh my God, I just had it. I was, ooh. Do you have a copy of the indicators that were taken out? Cause I know it was like 300 that was reduced to like 200. I have a copy. Yeah, like when with your your writing committee, right? Your writing team, your writing team. Um, today, because you know when um, when they were eliminating language, you know if you are approaching it from a lens of equity, you're 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 getting statistics, you're doing data analysis on it. So you would be looking to. For, to seeing what you're pulling out. Do you have a copy? Did you guys create a, a document of the indicators that were taken out? We had a number of different working documents that we worked through our uh, revision process through. Because that would be something that we want to analyze if we were, you know, to look, to see. Because representation is, you know, important. And I just would think that we would do that. We would look at all that stuff. Um, I don't know if, and I'm if it's if it's just you that's there. I don't know if you're going to be thinking of the, all those things. So I'm just saying like that should have been looked at to make sure that some stuff wasn't taken out. I think. So do you have? Does anybody have a, a, a copy of something like that? Um, I don't, it's not for public view. Yeah. You know, we, we have some information, but not all information is for, for the public. Well, I really appreciate you, coordinator, for coming out tonight. I know I, I kind of hit you hard. I'm sorry if I did, but it's not easy out here. No, and again, Marcel, you came, you know, you emailed me a while ago talking about concerns and things you had. And I said, yo, come join us. And to be honest, if I thought it was anything that Lenny couldn't answer, it was too difficult. I wouldn't, I would have talked to him beforehand. This was, again, we have to be clear and transparent in moving forward of tell me what's going on. You know, what are the equity issues? We need to look at it through the equity lens and have these conversations. So again, I'm not, I don't think we're personally attacking Lenny. I don't think we're personally doing anything. We're literally, uh, advocating for our students, specifically our students of color, but all students. So again, for me, I, I don't want to speak for Lenny, but um, I think these questions are necessary. And I would like to reiterate that we really appreciate your time because I know you all listening don't know, but it's at 9.45 p.m. Eastern Standard Time and Lenny hopped on uh, of his own free will. So we really appreciate you. Any final thoughts, Lenny? Anything you want to leave us with? Yeah, let me just say, you know, uh, for all of our educators out there, you know, Marcella, you know, uh, the process for the standards, there was an opportunity for educators to weigh in. It's called the public uh, 
uh, announcement opportunity where you can uh, look at the standards and make comments, public comment period. So, you know, the public has an opportunity to review the document along with the writing team and make comments. And I think uh, there is a document on our website that talks about some of those uh, indicators and performance expectations that were in the 2014 document that we kind of, um, you know, reviewed. Uh, and that was also public knowledge also. So remember, our, our, our whole process is trans we're transparent, um, but I would encourage you uh, the next go around and, you know, to be, uh, be involved, get involved in the in the process, and uh, all of our educators feel it is the best public uh, professional development they had, and uh, you know it's a great service for the state to be involved with the writing process. Appreciate you advocating for that and making people aware of that opportunity, and I am aware of it, and it is a great opportunity, just like you said, um, coordinator. I was just busy handling other um, codes and regulations. <laughs> But I, I wanted you to know, I did not hear about it through Patterson Public Schools. I did see some stuff in the emails that the um, DOE sends out, and I was there at the first reading, so I, I knew about it, but I was caught up with other stuff. But you're right, and so everybody should um, really pay attention and get on that email list because they tell you what they're talking about all the time. Mm, yeah, and Shape New Jersey needs to put out through their email chains, through their connections too. So we make sure that, you know, if you didn't go, it's because you had stuff going on in your life, not because you didn't hear about it. So again, Lenny, really appreciate you being here and thank you very much. You're welcome. You guys have a good night. Take care now. Good night. Peace and blessings. All right. You got it, Steven. Record it, Lenny. Anything you need, you go.